This is the Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, as always, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. And as you see it here behind us, we're going to be continuing our 2022 NFL Draft prospect breakdowns and analysis leading up to the NFL Draft on April 28th for the first round. Um, so today we are going to be discussing the big boys on the offensive line and joining us for the third week in a row to continue to break down what concludes our offensive section of the prospect breakdown is Matt Laguza. So we'll bring him in. Matt, third week in a row. How are we feeling leading up to the NFL draft right now? I'm getting excited. We're almost there. I'm coming back to the homeland next week, and we're getting ready for American football to come back into my life. This is just getting me excited by more excited by the week. Well, Matt, today we're talking the big boys. The guys up front that do all the dirty work, you know, no no play in the NFL happens without these guys. No play actually starts in the NFL without these guys. And we got a big class coming in. I mean big, talking about these offensive linemen. Um, so just to get us started, what do you think of this group coming in, um, you know, this position group um, going into the draft this year? I think it's really strong, really in all areas from the outside to the inside. Um it's very balanced in that way where you've got some guys that can start day one and make an impact on any NFL team in whatever spot you need. So throughout the first round, and I think into the second, maybe the third round, you're going to get some really quality guys. Um, but the people that we're focusing on today, these are the guys that if you get them in the first round, they can make an immediate impact on your team. And hey, I'm excited to watch these guys work. All right, well, let's go ahead and you know get straight into our analysis on these prospects. I think we have eight that we're going to discuss today. Might throw in a few more at the tail end of it, but eight guys that look like they're going to be the potential first-round guys um, on the first day of the draft. And first one is the Alabama tackle, Evan Neal. Uh, so we're going to begin with Evan Neal, a guy – who bring it up here, um, 6'7", 350 pounds. Uh, the guy is enormous as an offensive tackle, um, has a lot of great size and athleticism. He was a top recruit uh, going out of IMG Academy. Um, and then, you know, of course, obviously going and landing with Alabama, one of the premier, um, maybe the premier college football program in the country. Um, just coming out of there where, you know, they produce talent time and time again coming out of Alabama, especially on the offensive line. Uh, pass protection, um, an area that he can improve on, in my opinion, not really, you know, as you would expect to be the top tackle um, in past years, how, you know, perfect of a prospect they are um, in years past. You, know, you think about last year with Penny Sewell um, and also Rashawn Slate, uh, Slater coming into the draft. Those guys look near perfect as you can get. Um, but Neil still looks like a guy who's going to be an instant day one starter on the offensive line um, and easily going to fall in that one to three pick range um, in the first round. You know, you're talking about big guys. Evan Neal is a big man. Now, that's 
his strength and his weakness. Now, he lost 15 pounds over the offseason, which has made him a lot quicker, which is good. But, you know, considering how big he is, weight could be an issue down the line. So he's got to be able to keep that good weight that he's at right now if he wants to continue to succeed. But, no, he's great in the run game. He's going to be a great uh, pass protector if he can improve his technique just a little bit. But I'm interested to see where he goes because there's been a lot of conversation about him through this process. He's been moving a lot. Uh, you know, at one point we thought he was going one to the Jaguars, but then they re-signed Robinson. And, you know, we're not sure anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But I agree. I think he's a one to three guy. I, I don't think he's getting past Houston. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing, like with this size, I mean, how massive he is, six seven three fifty. Um, people are wondering how well he was going to adjust in the NFL uh, to NFL pass rushers. I mean, you got guys coming off the edge like Miles Garrett, who are just absolute freaks. How is he going to be able to step up um, in year one as a rookie and handle those guys? But watching his tape, I thought he did a good job uh, using his length against power rushers, um, you know, more of like a Max Crosby type or a Chandler Jones, you know, both guys on the Raiders um, now. But just – that's what I think of with power rushers or, you know, the speed guys like a Miles Garrett um, to watch out for. He also had great foot quickness, uh, foot quickness excuse me, um, on the edge of that offensive line, being able to get around um, and really anchor those guys, you know, on the outside of the offensive line. Um, there were times um, watching it where I felt like, you know, he kind of sinked his weight a little bit on the edge, um, got a little bit too aggressive pursuing a guy and, you know, over lunged and, you know, completely just missed a block at times. Um, but overall, um, you know, all those negatives aside, great prospect. Um, you're going to really build this guy the way you want to, and he's going to be a quarterback's best friend on the offensive line. I mean, you talk about, you know, I'm wearing the Packers shirt here today, you know, a left tackle quarterback relationship, you know, like David Bottieri and Aaron Rodgers uh, for my Green Bay Packers. That's important um, for a team and for a quarterback. And you talked about how he had the Jaguars initially at the beginning of this process, getting Evan Neal first overall, because that'd be great, um, you know, for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, a young quarterback in this league. Um, but Houston, the same way. Um, and, you know, a lot of teams in that top five definitely need a tackle to protect their young quarterbacks. You know, Daniel Jones with the Giants, Zach Wilson with the Jets, even Davis Mills. You know, if you want to build around him in Houston, here's a guy that's going to be a focal point of that offensive line uh, from day one. So I like the guy, um, and I like how he is being rightly uh, placed here at you know the top three to five um, in this year's draft. You know, and there's there's one thing that I really I think gives him a huge advantage is the fact that he played it out of Alabama, and he gets to play against the top talent in college football. So he's been able to go against the Aiden Hutchinson. He's been able to go against um, just the top edge rushers in not just this class, but just in college football as a whole. So he's going to have a huge advantage on some of these other guys that just don't get to play that kind of level of competition. He's going to be able to know what he needs to do to improve. And that's going to be something that coaches are going to look at and say, look, he's already faced this elite talent. He's been able to face the guys that these other teams that we're playing against, they're drafting them this year. So he just kind of has that, that one little advantage of being that much better than the others that he got the Alabama offer. So uh, that I think that's huge for him going into this process. And the one thing, um, you know, I think is the new trend in the NFL this year and something that's going to be a little bit of a knock on Evan Neal. 
And it's something that, honestly, I think would have made Rashawn Slater the top offensive lineman last year who should have been drafted over Penny Sewell. And it's the versatility of the offensive line that teams are valuing a lot, um, more especially in the you know past few drafts. Um, and I think that's not going to change. I think that's going to continue for the future of the league. Versatile guys up front that can play you know, three to even five positions. Um, but Evan Neal, mostly Alabama, just started, you know, right and left tackle. Um, never went inside at guard. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how teams value that. But, I mean, like I said, you're, you're just as good as your left guard is at quarterback, uh, or your, excuse me, your left tackle is at quarterback, protecting your blind side. So still huge value um, in the position. Um, but it's something that will affect him uh, compared to other prospects that, Maybe one guy in particular might leap above him, um, and it might be this guy over here behind me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, you that makes complete sense. You look at guys like Icky, who we're going to talk about later, guys like Bernard Raymond, uh, who can really play multiple positions. And we've seen that throughout the NFL now, just with it. your guy, uh, Billy Turner. Didn't he play all five positions on the offensive line for the Packers last year? Uh, yeah, um, it was Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins. Elton yeah, Jenkins. Yeah. yeah, Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins played all five positions for the Packers when everybody kept getting hurt, and that's what teams need. They don't want a guy that can just play in that one singular position. Now, it's great to have a guy that can be your cornerstone left tackle and can be that, but you want to be able to have the opportunity to move him around because in three years. He might not be the guy that you want at left tackle, but he has the skill to be able to play in another position. But he, if he is not able to convert his um, play to that position, it's going to hurt him in the end. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and, I mean, there's still easily a, you know, a market uh, for left tackles. I mean, you look at the contract um, that Teron Armstead got this year with the Miami Dolphins. That lets you know that teams are still valuing the position very heavily. Um, and, you know, like the Jaguars, you know, franchise tagging Cam Robinson, being sure that he's locked in place for at least another year um, is important to consider. But let's move on um, to the guy we just briefly talked about, um, talk about him more heavily, and it's Iki, um, Akeem Ikwanu, um out of NC State, our next guy on the board here talking about these big guys on the offensive line. And Iki is the guy um, that you want as a – multi you know multi tackle guard offensive lineman um, experienced playing it all um, at NC State a guy who has a nasty play style that I absolutely loved um, he talked you know he was on good morning football I believe uh, this week talking about his pancakes that he had at NC State um, getting syrup bottles for every single pancake um, and by the end of his time NC State had over 200 syrup bottles from the amount of uh, pancakes that this guy had this guy's thick, powerful, pass protection, quick, has a great punch to stun edge rushers. A lot to like about um, Iki Aquano, especially for me, the dual position ability at both guard and tackle is something that I really like about Iki Aquano. And talking about versatility, not can he play inside and outside, but he can pretty much fit into any offensive scheme that you want to run. He's a good run blocker, he's a good pass blocker, and he just offers – he, he's just a fit in any team that wants him. So you go up there and you need an offensive lineman. It doesn't matter what position, what scheme you're running on offense. He's a guy that can fill a hole for you immediately. And I love him. He's, he's quick. 
He's really flexible. He's got good acceleration. Um, he, for a big guy, he's quick. And that's something that you love to see in an offensive lineman, especially an interior guy being able to get to the outside um, if needed to get that lead block on a pull. It, it It's really good. So I'm excited for him. He's, he's a guy that if the Jaguars don't go Evan Neal at one, he's a guy that could possibly leapfrog Evan Neal and go to a team like the New York Jets, like the Giants, like the Texans, who aren't desperate need of a cornerstone left tackle. They're not in desperate need of it. They're more of a guy that needs to fill a spot immediately, a guy that can play where they need. So Iki Iquanu could be that guy if the Jaguars are not the ones to take Evan Neal. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, from what I've been reading, um, especially the last two days, um, is that Doug Peterson is absolutely blown away by Iki Iquanu and would love to have him in Jacksonville. But I think the problem is, is Trent Balky just can't justify taking him at number one. And I think that's when there's a lot of smoke right now uh, this past week about Trevon Walker trying to get someone to get juiced up to move to one to allow the Jaguars to slide back and take Iki Iquanu and incur a couple more picks in the process. That's what I've been reading, um, you know, through the smoke, through the tea leaves, um, I think is what they want to happen. The problem is I don't think they're going to find a suitor for that number one pick um, that, you know, is going to try to jump above them to, you know, bite on an Aiden Hutchinson or a Trevon Walker at one. And I honestly don't know if the Jaguars are going to risk uh, taking Icky at one instead of, you know, one of these top two defenders. But there's definitely some interest there. Uh, but like you said, if he doesn't go to the Jaguars, um, easily going to go, you know, four to the Jets, you know, team up with Elijah Vera Tucker, um, who they took last year in the first round. Um, they already got Mikai Becton, who they're high on at left tackle. Um, or also the Giants as well, just need more help on that offensive line. A multi-positional guy, you know, dual pat, you know, dual position ability, someone that they would really love to have. And you talked about the speed. I mean, also the size. Um, you know, six four, three twenty. Um, you know, not as big. You know, thirty pounds less um, than Evan Neal uh, when he weighed in, but still, he has the speed and size where he can play edge, um, but also has the speed where he can pull, like you were saying. Um, at guard, uh, you know, some outside run plays, um, that type of stuff. So a lot to like about this guy. Um, he's going to come in and be phenomenal in the league, multi-time pro bowler, in my opinion, um, for years to come. There's no question about it. I think he could possibly be the most talented offensive lineman in this draft. Um, I think, obviously, as we mentioned, Evan Neal has the size. He's got the skill. He's got the big-name Alabama team. He's got that. Iki Iquanu, he's got the potential. He's got the quickness. He's got all the skill necessary to play the position. So I'm excited to see where these two guys go. As you said, I think both of them could be multi-time pro bowlers. Both of them going to be all pros at some point, I think. Iki Iquanu, I think, is going to end up being the number one tackle that comes out of this class. Yeah. Offensive line. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it could even be you know the best tackle. Um, if, it you could know, be. That, could that's be. where we decide to put him at. Um, yeah, but one thing, uh, Jaja, I mean, I mean, I'm the guy of negatives um, over here. <laughs> We've learned the last three weeks. Hey, but, you gotta, gotta talk about it. Yeah. Um, but one thing I have noticed um, watching the tape with Icky, I talked about how he's a, has a nasty play style. Sometimes uh, that does get the better of him. Um, sometimes can be yeah. a little, you know, too aggressive um, at times. That he needs to, you know, cut it um, a little bit more control over that. Try not to get some penalties um, or, you know 
over lunch, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but football character, he's great. I mean, this guy, everyone loves him. You know, the coaches rave about he's him, players rave about him. His interviews are fantastic. I loved him this week on Good Morning Football. He would be a guy I would draft if I was a GM yeah. with one of the top five picks. Um, I would make sure to go out of my way to get this guy um, if he's there on my board. Yeah, no question about it. I'm, I'm excited to watch him play, excited to see where he does go and play and see how they use him. That, that's the most exciting part about him, just how teams are going to use him, where he plays most, what kind of scheme he ends up playing in. I, I'm just excited to see what he can do at the NFL level. All right, let's keep it going um, with these tackles and talk about the second or third, however we classify Icky, but go with our next guy at offensive tackle. It's going to be Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, bringing him up here um, on the graphic. Charles Cross, another guy I like, um, a guy who's also been projected at a lot of different spots um, in the first round. I think um, when I pulled it up, I think I had him going to – the New York Giants at five um, is what I had in my most recent mock draft. Um, you know, getting a surefire tackle um, in place on that edge for uh, Daniel Jones in that, in that offense. Um, but I mean, I've seen mock drafts where Charles Cross is going in you know the late twenties. So another guy in this just insane draft this year, uh, where the prospect projections are absolutely all over the place. Um, but another guy who was you know a top recruit coming out um, of high school going in. Um, had you know a couple offers, um, but ended up getting uh, ended up choosing excuse me Mississippi State over schools like Florida State and USC. Um, so ended up uh, with the Bulldogs in Mississippi State. Another guy I like uh, just the, you know the blend of size, length, and balance um, at at tackle that you really rely on um, a little bit on the lighter side um, for what you would expect for a traditional tackle. I mean six five three ten. I mean, compare that again with Evan Neal, a guy who is literally 6'7", 350 pounds, just shows how much of a monster Evan Neal is. But Cross, um, you, you know, still has the ideal size, pass protection, um, you know, pretty decent foot quickness, always attached to his blocks, um, just reading off my reports. But a guy who I think falls within, you know, the top 10 to 15, um, that's the lowest I see him going um, if he starts to fall. But overall, I don't see a fall really happening um, just because of how valuable um, this type of position could be for a team. See, I struggle with Charles Cross. I'm not really sure about him. I've been flip-flopping between, when we're talking about offensive tackle position, I flip-flop between him and Trevor Penning. I really like Trevor Penning, and we're going to talk about him later. But Charles Cross, for me, he just lacks the athleticism at the position. I feel like... He just doesn't have the same he, he just doesn't have the same athleticism as a guy like Evan Neal, as a guy like Ike Akwanu, as a guy like Trevor Penning. He he he's got average foot placement. He does have quick feet, not gonna say that. Um he's inconsistent uh in his positioning occasionally. And it it should he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a top three tackle in this draft behind uh it's Evan Neal, Trevor Penning, and uh Charles Cross for me. Those are my top three. Evan Neal, obviously the number one. Those other two, they just flip flop for me. I'm, I'm just not completely sold past Evan Neal when we're talking about offensive tackles strictly. Um, I think they're all first round talent. I think they all can be starting players in this league, but I'm just not entirely sure who's going to be that number two guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I completely respect it. Um, I mean, that's, you know, looking at my weaknesses, I was going to get to it as well. I mean, just the, not really the athlete you would envision um, taking with a top pick. Um, but still a guy where he does do some of the things right. I mean, you know, his hand, you know, hand placements, um, getting strong attach, uh, attachments on pass rushers, you know, really timing it up, um, body control, uh, something that's, you know, another big strength for him. Um, so it's going to be what can they get out of his athleticism um, at the end of the day for some of these teams. You know, are they going to be able to work with this and, you know, decide can they make this work for their offense? Um, he'll be one that's going to be interesting to watch uh, for sure where he ends up and also how he performs um, once we get, you know, into his rookie year um, and, you know, building upon that uh, throughout the rest of his career. So a lot of interesting things um, for Charles Cross. It's kind of a weird comparison mix-up thing. I mean, uh, Lance Zerlene has uh, Tristan Wars and Taylor Moten um, as a, you know, Taylor Moten's physicalness and then Tristan Wars' play as his comp um, for Charles Cross, which honestly is pretty favorable, um, in my opinion, as a comparison. That's speaking very highly um, from a lot of what I've seen. But this guy can neutralize power rushers, um, which is the big thing. But he's not necessarily the athlete to take on speed rushers. Um, so he's going to have a fault in his game coming into it that teams are going to have to consider uh, whether or not he's worth a top five to top ten selection. Yeah, no, it's it, it's going to be, for me, it's going to be a pick-by-pick pick basis. You're going to see teams come up that are going to be looking for an offensive tackle, and they're going to look at him, and they're going to compare him to who is on the board at their pick. And they're going to think, does he fit into our scheme? Will we be able to deal with his athleticism? And is the player that we could select over him, is he going to be worth more? And I think the, he's, the lack of athleticism could end up hurting him. But depending on the team who's on the clock, what kind of scheme they run, he could be, end up getting in that favor. It, it's just all going to depend on what team is on the clock and who else is left on the board at that point. It, it, it's just all going to come down to that for him, I think, in this draft. He can go, for me, anywhere between 5 and 20, 22, something like that. Because, um, remember, it's the NFL draft. Anything can happen. There are going to be trades. There are going to be wild turns of events. The Saints have two first-round picks, which means random players are going to get selected. So it you just never know. Um, but, no, he's a talented player, and I'm excited to see uh, what he can do. Yeah, I mean, Charles Cross, he looks like a draft to need instead yeah. of drafting the best player available. And that's what teams are going to consider. Like, when they get on the clock, they're going to look at their board and they're going to look at, you know, the players available. And, you know, right next to that is their needs. What do they need for their roster? And are they going to say, okay, we need a tackle more than anything we, I don't care what's on the board. We need a tackle. And the only team that would honestly think about it that way would be the Giants. Yeah. But they're at a point with their roster where they're not at the point to be drafting you know, you know, for one position. They need to be drafting whoever the best player on the board is because they have so many holes on their roster. Now, a team like the Saints, that would be a team where they say, hey, we have two first-round picks. We have a need here at tackle now with Teron Armstead gone and Charles Cross is sitting right here. That's a team where it would make sense, but he's definitely a need-based player 
or need-based prospect um, and draft prospect than a best player available until you start getting into the 20s. Because, yeah, you see teams like the Saints. Yes, they have fallen off since, you know, Drew Brees is gone. Sean Payton is now gone. But they can still be in playoff contention if they make the right moves. So if you go with – you lost Teron Armstead, you lost some of your best tackles, you could go with a pick and go with a guy like Charles Cross – to protect your quarterback because you're you know you do not have the talent at the receiver position right now to be able to compete you're going to need to give your quarterback time for the routes to develop and to get open uh just open uh receivers so that could be a guy that they go for and say you know what yes he might not have everything that we we want in a tackle there might be someone that could help him in another position but right now he's the best tackle available and he is going to affect how our offense plays so I, that, that could be an interesting spot if he does fall into those late teams. Um, but, yeah, no, teams like the Saints are going to be the ones that are really going to be looking for him after the 10th pick. Yeah, well said. So let's move on to the next guy on the board. And we're going to go with another guard here um, before we get to your guy at tackle that you really like. Um, but we're going to s- s- go first uh, with Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. Uh, so pulling the graphic up here on Kenyon Green, another guy, uh, 6'4", 325, good size, good tangibles um, at the position, um, you know, especially at guard, a honestly powerful guard, um, but also another guy who is versatile, um, not as, to the extent of a prospect like Iki Aquanu is, but a lot of the same uh, characteristics that you see in him to an lesser extent. This is a guy who played four of the five positions on the offensive line in 2021. You know, just in one season, you talk about Elton Jenkins playing all five in one year. This guy did a similar thing, playing four of the five positions, um, but he's at his best at guard, very good anchor against power rushers um, on the inside. Um, in the run game, can wash defenders, you know, straight down the track. Really just plow a hole for the running back to follow through. Um, great quickness, uh, great seals on the backside while pulling. I like him. A lot. I think he's the ideal safe prospect um, in you know the teens, in the twenties. If you're looking for an offensive lineman, yeah, no, he's really good. He's got a broad frame. He's got good thickness. I mean, he's a bulldozer. And I'm going to use that word again in a little bit for a different player. But he's he's so good. And he he's a guy that I've been consistently, consistently projecting to go to the Eagles. And he can really be a good guy just move Landon Dickerson over to center to replace Kelsey. And he just kind of is an automatic replacement for Dickerson at guard. I, I just think that is the perfect fit, but he, he's, he's, he's an amazing guard. He's exactly what you want in that. Um, you know, obviously he's had, he's had a history. He's got below average instincts in pass protection, but I feel like his hand placement is his hand placement and his other abilities are good enough to kind of overshadow that and keep him in contention for possible. Well, there's no way he's the top guard in the draft. Ikea Kwanu is the top guard in the draft, but he's easily a top two uh, guard, top five offensive lineman. And I don't see him getting past the Eagles picks. I think once the Eagles get up there, he, he's if he's not gone already, he's going to the Eagles. Yeah, I really love him as fits for – uh, Washington to replace Brandon Sheriff immediately, or um, also the Eagles to replace um, uh, 
was it Brandon Brooks? I think he just retired. Brandon Brooks, yeah, Brandon Brooks too, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it easily replaces him um, on the offensive line. And like you said, um, in the future, allows Landon Dickerson to switch into center uh, once Jason Kelsey, uh, and I think he's coming back for another year um, oh, this yeah. year. Uh, but once he retires as well, I mean, they're set on the offensive line if they make that decision with two, I mean, two first-round picks. Why not just play for the future with one of them um, exactly. in Kenyon Green where you're really set on the offensive line for years to come? Um, but Washington as well, um, like I said, replaced Brandon Sheriff, a guy who you knew was going to be gone for years now, and you you know failed year after year to either make him a, your, your long term, uh, make him a long term offer, and you know get him under contract. But also, they had like two, three years to find his replacement. They knew he was going to be gone, um, and they didn't do that. They still haven't done that. So now they can easily do it here with that first pick um, if they want to go that route. Um, but green, I like a lot. Um, this is, I mean, I, I talked about it, ideal prospect. Um, I like him a lot in terms of what he can do. He's just, he's one of the most pro ready guys oh, yeah. in the modern NFL, um, out of all the offensive linemen's just multi, you know, level of consistency at multiple positions, does everything right. Um, you know, a great guy, uh, athletic guy a lot to like about him becoming a starter very quickly in the National Football League. You know, you don't talk about it often with offensive linemen, but, you know, you see guys like an Iki Ekwano and an Evan Neal. And it's weird to say, but it's just Kenny Green, he just doesn't have the flashiness that they do. You know, it, you, you don't really talk about flashiness when you're talking about offensive linemen, but he's just kind of, you know, the stereotypical guard. He does what he needs to do and he gets the job done. Um, it's so he's obviously probably the most pro ready out of all the guys. He just might not have the ceiling of everybody else. I don't really know if that's correct terminology I really want to use, but he's at the point where he can be a top guard. He can make a pro bowl pretty much right out the gate. And he can stay at that level the entire time where the other guys, they're going to be good at the start and they're going to keep rising. Um, but, no, it's exciting to see. I, I think he's a great fit for a lot of teams. And out of all of them, I think he will probably have the best or overall most consistent season. Yeah. He for sure has the highest floor out of all these prospects and the lowest ceiling. I mean, yeah. he's coming into it as already a pro-ready guy, like from the start. But, like you just talked about, with these other prospects, they have so much more room to grow. And it's hard to see how much more Kenyon Green is actually going to grow as a prospect, you know, once he gets into the league for good and bad. I mean, he's there and he's ready. Um, but once you get him in there, that's really, you know, what you're working with is what he is. So for a team that, you know, likes him for who he is, home run, um, ideal fit right off the gun uh, for Kenyon Green. Yeah, no question about it. I'm excited to watch him play. All right, so Matt, it's time to talk about your guy, uh, Trevor Penning. We'll bring him up, go back to the tackles here out of UNI. This guy, a lot to like about him as well, um, and one that's starting to sneak in there from a lot of mock drafts. I had him in both of my <laughs> mock drafts um, in the 20 range, but he's starting to get a little bit more buzz um, as of late. Um, again, 6'7", 321, more of that tackle size you would like to see a big built guy, um, and overall an elite bender, combination of size, length, strength, awareness, 
very intriguing uh, for a prospect going into the NFL draft. This man is an absolute bulldozer. He has gained over 100 pounds since he started college. He is an absolute beast. He's got the quickness. He's got the athleticism. He's a great pull blocker. This man has everything that you want. Now, he hasn't played the same competition as everybody else. That's something that you're going to want to look at. But if you're just looking at his physicals, what he was able to do in college, and just the amount of growth that he's already made, you've got to see that this guy is still climbing and climbing and climbing. I love what he can do. I love what I think he can become. And I think he would be great. Now, he might not be a starting left tackle in the NFL right away. He might be, he might go to right tackle and start there. I don't really know. It depends on what you're looking at um, when you're drafting him at the time, but he can play either of those two tackle positions. Well, I think he'll be really good in the future. I think he ends up as a starting left tackle and a cornerstone left tackle in the future. Um, but I could definitely see a team kind of starting him on the right side and slowly transitioning him over. So he, he probably has out of the guys we've talked about, he's got the lowest floor, but I think he's got a pretty equal ceiling to most of them. Yeah, this guy, um, I like him. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like, I mean, he doesn't have my preferred versatility up front. Um, he's definitely going to be a tackle at best. Um, and, you know, like you said, probably a left tackle. Um, I'm trying to pull up uh, some of the starts he had. Yeah, one start in 2020, um, six-game starter, five at left tackle, one at right tackle. Um, yeah, it looks like in 2019, uh, played one game at right guard, 14 at left tackle, um, and 15 games. So, yeah, this guy's going to be a left tackle um, yeah. when it's all said and done. Um, I do have – uh, here pulled up an interesting quote from an NFL or NFC executive, um, excuse me, uh, from Lance Zerlin's uh, scouting report, where an executive from an NFC team said, "Don't overthink it when you write him up. He's got size, length, toughness. He's smart. He works his tail off and loves to play football. That's what you look for in a starting left tackle." Um, so, obviously, someone in an NFC team loves this guy and has him high on their board. Um, and I do as well. Um, I think that he's a good fit um, for a lot of teams in the teens and the 20s looking for a tackle. Uh, I think a great fit would be my Green Bay Packers potentially if he's the best player available option at tackle. Um, if, you know, they want to get him to su- uh, secure Elton Jenkins more of a do-it-all um, and mostly guard kind of guy and secure their two tackle spots. Um, the same thing goes maybe for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, secure an opposite tackle with Tristan Wirfs. Uh, for the future of their team. But this is a guy who's an ideal prospect. Um, I talked about it with Kenyon Green, Trevor Penning the same way. Um, out of a smaller, smaller school than the rest of these guys we've talked about, um, but you know, still some smaller school guys we have to talk about coming out, um, especially the next guy. Um, but Trevor Penning, he's an intriguing guy. Um, I would love to keep an eye on um, once he gets into the, in, into the NFL. You know, there's a lot of interesting teams you can look at here. You've got Houston at 13 with their second pick. If they decide not to go tackle with number three, you can look at the Saints, where we were just talking about possibly a Charles Cross. But if he's off the board and they still want to go tackle, he could be an option. The Chargers, probably less of an option for tackle, but they're there. Pittsburgh at 20, 
there there are a lot of teams that could be looking for top quality tackles to improve their offensive line quickly and he could be a guy that fills that void because as you're talking about you've got charles cross at a really a stop at 15 that he's going to be gone by 15 icky and evan neal they're going to be gone by pick five you're looking here, Kenyon Green. He's probably going to be gone by 15. You're look, you're looking at he's the number one tackle once you get to the late teens. He's the guy that's going to be there. So it'll be interesting to see. But no, there are a lot of teams that could really use a guy that could make an immediate impact. And I think he's going to be the number one guy on a lot of teams' boards once you get into there that position. Interesting. Um, and one thing that you know people do bring up uh, with these FCS guys is level of competition. Uh, that's especially the case on the offensive line, um, and for you know potential first round pick. But what I like is the fact that you know he's got a mechanic or maniacal um, is what uh, Lance Erling described it as maniacal work ethic. I mean, he talked about you know putting on 100 pounds of weight um, entering college in the weight room. This is a guy where I think once he comes in, he's going to work to catch up. Um, he's got a yeah. great ceiling on him. Um, you know, all the, you know, what you talk about with this floor and ceiling is 100% correct, um, in my opinion as well. Um, and, you know, from what I've noticed looking at the guy. Um, but I do like, uh, you know, the work ethic. He's going to come yeah. in and put work in from day one to make sure he's ready to go uh, once game time starts. Yeah, he's going to be that first guy in, last guy out kind of mentality. Um, but no, I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, he, he's got a lot of potential. Obviously he's going to have to do a lot of work to really hit that ceiling that I think he has, but I, if he gets into the right situation, if the team gives him a chance, I, I think he can be something special. All right, let's move on, uh, to another small school tackle and Bernard Raymond, um, pulling it up here out of. Um, Central Michigan, the old Chippewas, um, Bernard Raymond, another one who's an interesting guy to consider um, looking at some potential offensive tackles in this year's class. Um, 6'7", 305, uh, got the height, but the size a little bit on the lower side. But in my opinion, one of the best and probably the best run blocker in this year's class. This guy is an absolute beast on the tape in the run game. I mean, what he did with the Chippewas was insane in the run game. Passing game, handled himself well, uh, has a great core um, and balance and hand strength in him uh, to really jump off the line. Very balanced and handled the speed rushers um, on the outside. The other thing with some of these plays and some of these highlights um, that I watched with Bernard Raymond, when he landed a punch on some edge rushers, the play was just over for that guy. Whenever he got set and like put his hands on a guy it was over like go ahead and chalk it up go to the next play like that guy is going to get absolute dogged that next monday and uh watching the film back um by, by whoever his defensive line coach is over that play the guy just ruins people on the edge occasionally gets a little too wide uh which you know with some issues with some swim type counter moves on the defensive line kind of ate him up a little bit um i think but you like when a guy gets too wide, in my opinion. They're eager. They're ready to get out there and, you know, just lay a hit on somebody. Um, so you can teach that and groom that out um, in a guy like Bernardo Raymond. No, I think he's a guy that's still growing. You, like, a lot of people forget that he is a former tight end, and he transitioned into this tackle position. 
So he's he's hasn't been playing this position his entire career. It's not like these other guys that we've been talking about where they they were there and they just kept growing and growing and growing. He's kind of still in that growth phase. He has a ton of athleticism. He's got the ability. We've, As you said, he's probably the best run blocker in this class. If he's already the best run blocker in this class, wait till he gets a little bit of technical um, fixing up at the NFL level. He could be really good in the passing game. So I'm excited for him. I, I think he, he has the potential to be a versatile guy. I think he can play inside as well if a team needs him to. I think he has that athletic background where he could potentially do that. But I do mostly see him as an outside guy. Um, but no, he, he's one of those guys that I could see sneaking in late first round um, and making an impact on a team. Uh, that it, And for him, it'll be a playoff team at that point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, you just talked about this guy is just now scratching his potential on the offensive yep. line. I mean, he switched from tight end to tackle during the pandemic. I mean, yep. in 2020. And this guy is already you know, being talked about as a potential first-round pick at tackle. The effort that he put in is insane. You know, coming in, just immediately being able to be a tackle and prove himself and, you know, that he's ready for this position and what's ahead. Um, so I, I would love to see just the story of him becoming a long-term left tackle in the National Football League. It would just be a great story for what he's gone through. Um, you know, the former Aussie um, is what yeah. I like to you know, bring up about him as well. Um, but, I mean, just the, the punch this guy has is just incredible. I love watching his film. I love watching guys that can absolutely just put their hands on someone and just end the play for them. It's just so fun to watch. There's a guy like that um, last year that I really liked as well that I can't quite remember um, who it was, but I'll see if I can bring it up. But I like Bernard Raymond um, a lot in terms of what he could become at tackle. Yeah, he's a really intriguing prospect. I think he, he just needs time. And I think it's going to be a team that has flexibility with that position that is going to end up taking a chance on him. Um, so I'm excited. His instincts still need a little time to develop. Um, but after that, he, he could be a really good tackle in the uh, National Football League. I'm trying to see uh, who it was that was really high on last year that was just an absolute I think it was Tevin, yeah, Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins, yeah. my scouting yeah. report oh, first sentence I had on him was the biggest manhandling bully out of all the tackles. Uh, but dealt with some injuries last year um, once he got drafted. Was it Chicago Bears, Tevin Jenkins? Chicago Bears, yeah. yeah. Um, but that guy, when he would get the – like, that's why I see in Bernard Ray, when he gets his hand on somebody, just destroying them and ending the play for him is what I love out of these tackle prospects going into it. And Bernard Raymond definitely has – um, that factor that I really like. And also just the, the athleticism. I mean, coming from tight end to tackle is just insane transition for me um, to really just, you know, consider and even put my mind to is what he was able to go through in that. Um, but very well coached um, in that regard, very well developed um, in that regard, and a guy who I think should be flying up some boards uh, for what he can do uh, once he gets some NFL coaching in him. Definitely. All right, moving it along, we'll get to another interior offensive line prospect. Um, out of the ACC, we're going to go with Zion Johnson. Uh, pulling it up here out of Boston College. A guy who is 6'3", 316, uh, great frame, great size, and strength uh, to be a solid anchor at an offensive guard position. 
Um, just yet another guy who can squeak in um, in the first round. Another one, uh, like I just talked about with Raymond, very good in the run game, um, a lot more uh, than he is in the pass game. Um, this guy is a technical pulling guard, owns the speed to get to that second level to you know make the blocks needed um, in the run game and you know be able to open up lanes. Uh, worked and developed a little bit more in pass protection, which is good to see. This guy, he works on his craft at the end of the day, and there's a lot to like him um, in terms of being a perfect prospect of terms, you know, personally what he can do, uh, working to make himself better day in and day out. Now, I think this is an intriguing prospect here, and I think he's a guy that could end up being a steal for a team late in the first round. You know, he's, he's really consistent with his play. He does lack that pass protection that you would like to see at the NFL level, um, but you know, he, he has the chance to develop into a great national football, NFL player. He, he does. Um, he's a two-time team captain. He's got those leadership capabilities. Um, he has experience playing the tackle position, which I know you like. You, you like that versatility. Uh, he played there a little bit in 2020. Um, but no, I, I think overall he's a really good player. He, he could be a good fit for a team between probably 25 and 32 I see him. He could fall into that early second round, maybe. I don't know. It, it it'll be interesting to see. But I think, I think he could. He's most likely going to be a first round guy. Um, but no, I mean he, he's got occasional issues with some blitzes, um, and and that's because of his lack of quickness, in my opinion. I just think he struggles on some of those uh, speed rushers that he has to face. But other than that, I mean, he, he's a great quality player, and. Uh, any team would be lucky to have him late in that first round. Yeah, and you, you talked about some issues um, with some speed that he did have, and that you know mainly came um, during his stints on the outside. Uh, yeah. But what he is really good at um, is bull rushers on the inside. You know, guys like an Aaron Donald that he's going to have to be facing at defensive tackle if he lines up on the inside. He was able to just roll his you know hips and be a very heavy anchor against those kind of bull rush uh, defenders that he's going to be facing. Um, so I think he could be ready for it in that regard. And that's why I like him more as a fit, more on the inside than the outside. I think it's just his tangibles um, and his strengths really more align on the inside than the outside um, of the offensive line. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question he will play on the inside. Um, and I, I think that's where he's going to end up saying. Um, obviously teams are going to look at that and say, okay, maybe if we ever need him, he could play on the outside. He's got the experience, but he is an interior guy. That's what he does. He excels in the run game. He is going to need to improve that passing game, but it's going to be run game first for him. That's what it's going to be. Um, but no, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do. If he can gain a little bit more speed, that would be nice. I, I think getting speed is good for any interior guy, you know, trying to get to the outside on those stretch plays uh, is going to be key for him. Uh, but if he can do that and he can consistently make strong plays in that regard, I, I don't see any issue with him uh, being a good fit for uh, starting position. Well, let's move on to the last guy on our list, um, and then we'll throw in some potential honorable mentions. Um, you know, the sneaky guys we like to throw in at the end um, just to watch out for because there's always surprises in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, so just a heads up. Um, but our last guy on the list, um, a guy I've mocked in my both of my first rounds, both times at 31 to the Cincinnati Bengals, is Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa, who is the only center we've discussed today and the, you know, the 
best center in the class, you know, by far at that position. But we got to talk about the centers as well because they're the guys that get the plays started. Um, so Tyler Linderbaum, uh, pulling him up here. 6'3", uh, 290 at center. Athletics um, is a big thing for him. Super athletic. Very, you know, excellent awareness. Um, and also just the intangibles that he has. Um, a guy who coming into the draft process, everyone was super high on us being, you know, you know, I, you remember the you know, beginning of this process, everyone was like, you know, Tyler Linderbaum is the best offensive lineman in this year's class. And then quickly just started falling down boards out of nowhere. Um, but a guy who still in, could end up in the first round, um, I think the big thing about him is the arm length. Uh, that has been a huge knock against him. Um, 31 and an eighth um, inch arms um, is something that listening to, you know, some podcasts, um, you know, reading some uh, reliable sources um, that I have, um, you know, just in the NFL, reading some things on Twitter about Tyler Linderbaum, that's a big knock that a lot of people have about him and that, you know, some of the scouts um, and upper executives are trying to figure out if they can get over that or not um, when looking at Tyler Linderbaum. You know, I, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum, he's got the leadership capabilities. He's got the technical abilities. The question is, does he have the physicality? Does he have the physicals that an NFL team wants in the starting center? He's a little undersized. He's got small arms. It, I mean, it's just something that teams are going to have to weigh against other positions that they could fill. Now, do I think he's a first-round talent? Yes. Do I think that he can be a starting center and a really good starting center for a team, especially like the Bengals? Yes. I like that a lot. It's just we're not NFL GMs. We're, we don't make those decisions. They're the ones that have to make the money decision. And typically, centers don't aren't the big money move. So if you have any doubts about him, you're most likely going to pass on him and go for an edge rusher, a receiver, a corner, someone that you know is going to make an impact. People are going to know their names. So it'll be interesting. I think that's something that is going to be a knock on him. But in my opinion, he's a first-round talent. He's a top five, six offensive lineman in this class. Um, but he's just going to have to hope that NFL GMs and NFL scouts see that and take the risk on him. Yeah, I think the, the you know the issue with Tyler Linderbaum for what he is, he's great. Yeah. But do they value what he is as a prospect? What he what he is physically at the position? That's the big knock on Tyler Linderbaum, because what he is is great. But he is what he is. I mean, there's not you know he has the things you can't, you can't change, yeah. you know, the things you can't teach uh, for a prospect, and that's the big issue with him. Because I mean, for his size. He does great things with his strength um, against yeah. some of these defenders. Um, but it's just so weird. Um, it's just one of those things where it's the guys making the decisions are the ones who are making the decisions. Because like you said, I also agree um, that he's a first-round talent. But I do think on April 28th, we could see Tyler Linderbaum's name not get called in the first 32 selections. And, I mean, that's everybody's used to that. He's a center. You know, you just like running backs, you don't typically draft running backs in the first round, even though they could be the most talented player in the draft. It, it just doesn't really happen that often. Um, you're you're going to go for the guys that you know are going to make an impact right at the beginning. They're going to make the money in the end, and they're going to be the flashy guys scoring the touchdowns. 
centers don't do that. They might create the touchdown sometimes. And without them, you don't get to play football. But, you know, in the end, it is what it is. I'm excited to see what player he becomes. I hope he gets that first-round pick. I really hope he does. But in the end, he's going to be counting on every single team that passes him up, and he is going to make them pay in the end. I really love uh, Lance Erling, including the you know sources tell us uh, section of his scouting reports. Um, because oh, yeah. for, for Tyler Linderbaum, uh, he has a quote from a pro personnel director for another NFC team um, where the quote says, really fun tape. He's going to be really hard to beat to the spot, but he's just a small man by our standards, and that worries me. And that's just the thing. I mean, this, the guys making the decisions are the guys making the decisions, um, and there's just things with Tyler Linderbaum, the negatives that can't be changed um, that are really hurting his stock right now. Um, but that's the last one uh, we have uh, as a potential first-round prospect. Uh, just some sneaky ones uh, to consider. Um, three other ones that we've seen um, in some mocks uh, in the first round. Um, Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, um, a huge guy who just swallows defenders. Um, very explosive kind of guy. Uh, Daniel Falele um, out of Minnesota, another guy who is just an absolute mauler. Uh, this is you know, my first line I have on him. Um, but 6'9", 380, a huge just behemoth guy um, on the offensive line. And then Tyler Smith out of Tulsa as well. Great hands, um, good length, um, and great build as well. Do you have anything? No, I'm for... excited. I mean, I, I think those are the guys that you're really going to be looking at. Um, I like Daniel Falale. I think he can really – he could be a guy that sneaks into that first round. Um I will like, do I think it's going to happen? No, I think there are a lot of talented guys at the offensive line position that are going to go above him. Um, but he's a definite second round pick. He's going to be early in the second round, depending on how many players do go in that first round. Um, I'm excited for him. He is a behemoth. He's huge. And that teams are going to love that. Um, and he, he's going to be a guy that gets a lot of value in that second round. Um, so look out for him. Uh, as potential second round picks for your guys' teams. Um, but no, I, I think overall this class is just, it, it's deep. It's deep. It's heavy at the top. And uh, a lot of teams are going to be really happy uh, with their selections. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of value uh, with some of these day two guys on the offensive line that teams are going to be happy with um, that, you know, slid out of the first round. They didn't have to waste a first round selection um, yep. to still get a quality starter on their offensive line. They're still going to be able to find that. And so I like a lot about uh, this position in this year's class um, or position grouping um, in this year's class or the big boys up front. So Matt, that's all we got uh, for this week, breaking down the big boys. Um, for what's to come on the show, we're quickly approaching draft day. Uh, so we're going to have to be moving to two a weeks um, for the next two weeks leading up uh, to the April April 28th deadline of the first round to cover some of these defenders. Um, so what do you want to start on? Uh, we'll go on Wednesdays and uh, Friday for next week, if that's good with you potentially. Um, so what do you want to start on first with these defenders? You know, start with some edge rushers potentially? I mean, I think we start with flashy guys. I think we go the edge rushers. Talk about potential two top four picks in the draft. I, I like that idea. All right, so next Wednesday, uh, we'll be back here on the Sloth Sports Show uh, to discuss the edge rushers and then continue on 
um, with the rest of these defenders leading up to the NFL draft. Matt, thank you as always. Thank you. All right, that's it for today on the Slaw Sports Show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. If you miss any part of today's episode, it will be posted on the YouTube channel as soon as we wrap up so you can go back and check everything out. Or if you don't have the time um, or you're more of a podcast listener, the episode will also be posted on the podcast tomorrow at the Saw Sports Show. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, anywhere you get a podcast, you'll find us at the Saw Sports Show. So as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. And until next time, peace.